Welcome to the Limitless Entrepreneur Podcast, your weekly dose of strategies and mindset tools to build a business in alignment with your purpose and to get you playing a bigger game. I'm your host, Nicole Leno. Hello and welcome to the Limitless Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Leno, and I am here with a very special guest today. I'm here with Megan Huber. She is a business growth strategist supporting high-performing service-based business owners transitioning from hustling entrepreneur to successful leader and CEO. She brings along her 17 years of teaching, coaching, consulting, and entrepreneurial experience with high regard for raising the bar and operating at the highest level of excellence. Megan, welcome to the show. How are you? I am great. I'm so excited to be here with you. I'm sure we're going to have a really juicy conversation. I have no doubt. Well, what else? I know that that that's a little snippet, you know, you know, you in two and a half sentences. But what did I miss? What do you want the listeners to know before we start about you? Yeah, uh, I, I kind of like to fill in like the backstory. I think like so many yeah. of us are like, okay, how did this person even get into this industry? And like, what else goes on in their lives? You Tell know, your story. Uh, I'll keep it really short. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I'll start with like I'm. I am a mom. I have. We have an 11 year old daughter. So I've got like that piece going on. I know we probably have some parents that are listening and I'm also married. So Sean and I, we run multiple brands as well. So I have my brand, he has his brand. And then sometimes we come together and we have like our own, you know, this third thing that we do together. So we have a lot going on. Um, We do it all under the same roof. So not only do we live together, but we're literally like, I'm in here in my office. Sean's out there in in his, his part of the house. Um, so it's an interesting dynamic um, to have all those things happening under one roof, and not a lot of people do that. So there's not like that many people I can talk to about like what's it like to do business with your husband and live under the same roof. <laughs> so we've got a lot of things going on, and I would say that we have traditionally run our household um, in a non-traditional way. Um, Sean was like full-time dad for years, uh, which allowed me to grow my business and brand to the level that it's at. And he's really started transitioning into his own thing. So that's, you know, that's kind of like a thing that we've got going on. Um, And my background is in teaching. I was a high school teacher. I have a master's degree in teaching. And um, I think something else that's pretty unique uh, for me in this industry, I started my coaching business in 2011 when our daughter was not even a year old and had a coaching business for a few years. And I actually left my coaching business and I worked for a very well-known coaching company. I won't name names. Um, a really well-known coaching company in our industry for four years in the mid-2010s. And that is where I learned how to launch multi-seven-figure seven programs. I created all the group coaching programs. I wrote all the curriculum for them. I ran all the group coaching programs. Um, I hired people. I fired people. I was involved in pretty much every single department in a multi, 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 multi-million dollar coaching company online. I tell people the only thing I didn't do there was Facebook ads. So everything else I was either overseeing or had some sort of pretty high level role in. And I would say the most unique thing about that experience, everybody thinks like, oh my God, you got to like do all those things behind the scenes. And that was amazing. But I also think the other really amazing part was getting to have a front row seat to so many business women who were aspiring entrepreneurs. 
And you just watch like 300 people all go through the same group coaching program year after year after year. And why are some of them becoming the the million dollar earners really fast? I mean, in like 18 months to two years, and then other people are not. Um, So that was a really that was a really unique experience to be able to sit beside the owner of a company of that size to be a team member and play a lot of different roles as a team member, but then also be so heavily involved with the clients going through the group coaching program. And they were a year long. So you learn a whole lot about how those programs work, what to do, what not to do. And you really learn how people function differently. You start to see patterns in people. You see like, what are these people over here doing that's working that everybody else has access to, but they're not doing it. So I left there at the very end of 2016 and then rebooted my own coaching business again at the beginning of 2017. Um, and here I am today. I love that. And you you actually like we, we have things that we're talking about today, but before we we talk about that, I'd love to know if there's something that stood out, something universal. Is there anything that do you determine that X factor that somebody had or or they didn't have? Was there was there a way where you could or did you get to the point where you could see them come in and be like, she's going to be a superstar. She's going to be a superstar. Not sure about her. Yeah. You can kind of tell, mm-hmm. honestly, um, you could just kind of read someone and you could see it. And it was the way they carried themselves. You could, mm-hmm. I could start to see it in people's body language. Um, Cause we did have live events. There were like live events um, as part of this program. And I heard them every week on like the coaching and Q&A calls. So you could start to see it in someone's body language and how they carry themselves. Um, If they held their shoulders back, you could see it in facial expressions. You could see it in someone's eyes. Um, Then you would start to hear it in tone of voice. You know, when I I was always on every single Q&A call or coaching call, I wasn't necessarily always the one leading the call, but I was on there. So I was listening. And over the course of a year, you're listening to the same people. It's the same people in the program for the whole year. So you're hearing their tone of voice if it changes. Um, so that was one. And then the third that was very, this was the most fascinating to me at the time. And certain people would come onto the Q&A calls and the first two sentences that would come out of their mouth, I'm not joking, for the whole year, they would be the same two sentences. So they were always leading their question to the coach with like the same phrase. Well, I'm overwhelmed because, or because I'm a single mom, I can't do this. And it was always something that was inhibiting them. It was always something that was like wrapped up in their identity, Mm. but you would see them go the whole year and it would never change. Mm -hmm. Those were the ones that never really made headway. Then the superstars, every single week, they were, it was like success blinders on, and they were only having conversations about what they desired next and who they had to become to create whatever it is they wanted next. I would say those people became a different person Mm -hmm. and they were becoming a different person on a weekly basis. Everybody else stayed the same. 
Because I was going to ask you when you said, you know, like I could tell by their body language, I could tell this, my, the question in my head that popped up immediately was, well, can that change? Is that something that can be learned? Was this something that you saw people evolve in? And it sounds like you saw, did you see anybody come out of the funk and then, and then start to rise up or did that, or if you're that far in, is it, it's probably more than a year that you need to be in the energy of people who only see their next step, who only see the climb and believe in the climb and believe that they're worthy of it to be in that energy and start calibrating to it and to start changing into yeah. before it starts to, to happen externally. Yeah. That's so that's such a good question. And here's one of the things that I did take from that. And I have had, you know, I also had a lot of conversations with those people and some of those people I'm now six years removed from when I left. I'm still in contact with some of the people who I met from there and I've interviewed them. Um, and that those were business coaching programs. So people were joining those programs because they were learning how to grow a business. And we also had um, combined with that, it was like a business coaching program to grow your business. And we also had attached to it a, a coaching certification. So it was kind of like all in one and it was a year long. And one of the things that I noticed and years later, talking to some of those people who got out of the funk, maybe not while they were in the program, mm -hmm. but what they have shared with me behind closed doors is I thought I was ready to grow a business mm -hmm. and that's why I joined the program. But once I got in the program, about two to three months in, I would realize I actually need a year of personal development because I'm not even at a place where I can implement what's being taught in my business. Because what's coming up for me is all the identity stuff, all the mindset stuff, all the limiting belief stuff. And it was almost like they didn't quite realize, you know, patterns and stories are running the show mm -hmm. until you go talk about taking action in your business. And then it's like, you know, it's like right there in your face. And then it's like, oh gosh, like I actually need to go work on myself. Um, that's the number one thing that I saw. And the number one thing that I have been told in hindsight. <laughs> yeah, um, not in the moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They weren't saying that in the moment. It's like people are pissed off because they're not getting results in their business and you're in a business coaching program. I totally get it. I get it. I, I teach people how to grow a business. And, um, you know, it's just where they were at on their particular journey and they didn't realize maybe what needed to come first before they were doing all the business pieces. And this is important for the coaches to know too, because as a coach, we want everybody to succeed. I don't know any coach that, you know, is, has any integrity that doesn't hope beyond hope that every single person will flourish. But one of the things that I know that I have had to accept is, is looking at, you know, everyone as their own unique snowflake and their own unique journey that they're on. And they're all coming in at different points. And my job there is to give them whatever that person needs. And how do you look at that journey as a coach, as somebody who coaches coaches and, and coaches people? Um, how, how do you look at that from that perspective of seeing that and, know, and knowing how this works for people? How do you not, um, how, how do you see that? Yeah. I've kind of changed my tune on that over the years. You know, I've been in this industry for 10 years and have sold programs and worked with people inside of programs for 10 years. And, and I am also coming from the perspective of, 
I coach people on business. So I really do stay in the lane of business strategies, Mm -hmm. uh, metrics, numbers. Like I'm very much in that world. um, And that's why people come to me. In terms of what I have kind of shifted over the years personally and as a mentor and a coach, I have really shifted the criteria that someone has to meet in order to be a good candidate for my program. And that's something that I have observed. Um, And this is just an observation um, from the different seats I've sat in. I do believe. And and people have different opinions in mind, right? So not everybody agrees what I'm about to say, and that's totally fine. I think a lot of people join programs and the point that they are at in their particular journey and what their particular needs are, when you combine that with what the coach's greatest skill set is, their greatest zone of genius, and I've noticed this myself with clients over the years, it's that my zone of genius is up here somewhere. And in order for you to access it, you already have to have a certain level of skill, a certain level of experience, X, Y, and Z, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. It's not like you need to like be making a certain amount of money, but yep. I think that we're missing it. I think that there's way too many programs where people who actually shouldn't be in the program because the coach, it's not that they don't have the ability, but their zone of genius It's Mm -hmm. too above where people are coming in at and your clients can't access it. And I think a lot of coaches aren't recognizing that. And so they are not quite sure like, well, how do I speed this up for this client? How do I catch them up to speed to actually get there so that when the two of us connect the ROI and the transformation, whatever the ROI is tangible or intangible, it's almost like what I call like orgasmic. Mm -hmm. And a lot of coaches feel really get really frustrated with their clients. They get really annoyed with their clients. Uh, They get bored with clients. I've seen this happen so many times, especially to coaches who run group coaching programs. And it it comes across to clients like you're playing favorites. Oh, Mm -hmm. well, the coach just likes that person. You see this in the classroom. I mean, I was a high school teacher and teachers are notorious for playing favorites in like the public school system. But a lot of clients see that and they see like this bond between certain clients in the program and the coach. And so they, in their mind, they're like, well, they like that client better. Well, they're just playing favorites or they just like the superstars in the program. And I think what isn't being said by the actual coach, because obviously I don't think they're going to say this out loud to their clients. And I don't know that they're actually talking about it in this way behind the scenes with their peers and colleagues. But what I have identified as an observer is that a lot of clients cannot even reach the coach's level, like their zone of genius, so that it actually catapults them to the next level. It's like they needed something else first. There's like components that are missing. So I think that as coaches, and maybe it's dependent on your body of work, I think we need to improve our level of discernment on who is actually ready to meet me where I'm at, who can actually access my zone of genius immediately and who has the ability to turn around and go implement it, do something with it, and then get a really incredible result from it. And then ultimately a long-term transformation. Now, again, I'm going to say this and people may disagree, but I think over the years, um, 
we've got, we've really romanticized, but I want to be able to say I had like a million dollar launch. I want to be able to say I made like $200,000 in a month. And again, from an observer's perspective, I think that a lot of coaches, I've done this in the past. I did it in the beginning. I didn't know what I didn't know. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm a saint either. We, I think sometimes we unconsciously, I don't know that anybody's doing it maliciously, but we glorify sales and we glorify the chase of the sale and we glorify like making all this money. But then you've got like 70% of the people in your program can't even do what you're asking them to do because for whatever reason. Yeah. It's, I, I, I agree with everything that, that you're saying there, but it's also, I think from the coach's perspective, one of the things that, that I think happens too, because, and, and this happened to not, not happen to me, but I went through where I had to be pickier about who came into the program as I evolved as a coach. And, and as I became better at running my business, better at being a coach, shifting my level of knowledge and elevating myself it was natural to look at this and say what who's the best fit for my program yes. and i had to start advising people where i think you need to get this in line like i i you have to have an offer to come yes. into my program now you you have to have an offer you have to you have to have thought through your business enough because it's only going to frustrate you and you're going to feel like you're not getting, and that's going to destroy your morale. It's going to destroy your energy around what you believe you can create because money's going out and it's not coming in. Yes. It's not coming in fast enough. So yeah. you, you need to have thought that through and that's a good thing for you. That's yep. a good thing for you. If And I tell them not to go find somebody else, but you know, really think about what's the business that you want to create. I have plenty of free stuff that will help you do that. Yes. And, and the other thing that I had to do was really get clear to myself on my zone of genius mm-hmm. and build my program around that and to resist that that feeling of needing to be the jack of all trades. Mm-hmm. And like you said, stay in your lane. So mm-hmm. people are attracted to the right thing about you. And it's like, if you want this, I'm your girl. Yes. Yeah. And look, like you. in the beginning, I think the majority of us kind of started out like, I can do all the things. And then as you look, it, every, you know, we all grow, we all grow into kind of like picking that one thing that we're going to master, that we're going to have like excellency in. And, you know, that just happens over time. I don't know that any of us like got it right out of the gate. You just, it's something that you have to figure out as you go, but you also have to be okay telling people, no, not right now. Like I tell people no pretty often when they want to join my programs, but I'm, I'm at a place now where. I'm comfortable doing that. I wasn't always comfortable saying no, mm-hmm. um, but now I am. And a no, sometimes it's, it's just it's just as good as a yes when there's clarity there and it's the right thing to do. For sure. It, it, integrity matters. And, yeah. and no one's going to be happy when the wrong person joins. It's, it, it does not, it, it's not a fun journey for other people, for, for everybody else. And most coaches want people to, to, expand and and be yeah. successful and that hurts to see somebody not succeeding and and you feeling like you you can't help them you can't lift them up as fast as they want to go yeah um and because they're resisting but what i want to talk about or i want to jump into is since we're talking about coaching since we're talking about being great coaches what is somebody so what does somebody do they built a group coaching program they do they're doing the one to many they've got it rolling but 
what do they need to do to make sure that they are the right people are coming in, but how can we make them successful? How can we build a, what are the systems that need to be in place to make this run where it's not stressful Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or unnecessarily so Mm -hmm. and where it's built for sustainability. It's built for client retention, clients, client satisfaction and coach satisfaction. Like what, what is, what, what are most people missing? What do you feel are the, the key components that they should have? Yeah. Well, out of the gate, I kind of alluded to this, but be really specific on what, like, what's the specific criteria that you want an ideal client to meet, to be eligible, to be a good fit for your program, whatever that is for you. And I would recommend coming up with three to five things, Um, whether you're a business coach, a relationship coach, a mindset coach, a dating coach, like any kind of a coach, what's the criteria? Be really specific on that. Um, Number two, I'm going to try to go in like chronological order here. Mm -hmm. The other thing that is so important, and it's actually really, really fun. It sets the tone for the entire journey start to finish, and it's a proper onboarding process. So many people don't have a real onboarding process. And people just come in and they do like class number one, or they just kind of like show up and they're all there. The onboarding process is so important, again, because you are setting the tone for how you want your clients to treat you, how you want your clients to show up, how the clients are going to get the best results from the program. It's where you are um, setting the expectation for the clients. You are reminding them of what they should expect from you as the facilitator and the coach of the program. It's also where I, I teach my clients, um, you know, lots of times in group coaching programs, whether it's a group or kind of like your whole product suite, like a lot of us have group coaching programs and then people want to know, well, what's next after that? Mm-hmm. Whether it's another group or it's another, it's a more intimate experience or it's a mastermind or whatever you call it. A lot of people are like, well, I want to continue to work with you. What's the next level for me? Um, and then sometimes we have, you know, the way our group coaching programs are structured we have a lot of clients who do our group program more than one time. They'll stay with us for a couple of years in that program because that's what's going to serve them best. That's mm-hmm. something else that you want to set up in the beginning. Like that is a conversation you want to start planting those seeds in the onboarding process. This is how this program works, or this is what you have next. Because what I love to do with my clients is I want to plant ideas and seeds in their mind because it motivates them. So if they know, oh, this is the next level program, this is what I get there, I don't really have to talk about it a whole lot. They'll self-select themselves and then they kind of do whatever they need to do so that they can get themselves to that level. And you're not getting to the end of your program. And the first time they hear you talk about re-enrolling or moving to the next level, a lot of coaches are waiting until like the last session or the last Mm -hmm. week of the group. And that's the first time your clients are hearing you talk about a next level program or what to do next. And by then you're then getting on sales conversations, literally. And it feels like it's a sales conversation with a brand new client you've never worked with all over again. And you get a laundry list of objections all over again, even though they've been your client. That doesn't have to happen. Um, Also in the onboarding process, you're showing people how the whole entire program works the features, how to function inside of the program, where to find everything. If you have team, that's where you're, you know, letting people know like who do I reach out to for what? Um, 
So onboarding, I'm spending a little bit of time on that because you can literally solve so many problems inside of a group coaching program out of the gate in the beginning with an onboarding process. So I would totally start with that. Another system that is really important is we'll call it accountability, uh, but there's a little bit involved with that. So what is your accountability system? What do you have in place that is helping you as the facilitator and your clients track progress and also like visually with their eyes, see that they are making progress. So, but we need to create that system for them because you could get two weeks, a month into a program. And if your clients didn't have some like mind boggling result, because a lot of people have sometimes expectations that are a little bit out of reality. Mm-hmm. They want to go make a million dollars in a month, or they want to find the love of their life in the first two weeks of your program to find the one. And that didn't happen. And then if they have whatever story or pattern coming into your program, like, see, it always happens to me. See, anytime I try to do something, it doesn't happen. You can almost eliminate that by having something in place where your clients are filling something out, a form, a spreadsheet, but something where they can see certain questions that you've created or metrics or whatever makes sense for your body of work. And they're tracking at the end of every week or the end of every two weeks. I would not go a month. I would do it. I do it every week in my program because then you hear so many people say like, holy cow. I didn't realize I actually had so many things to celebrate because they will get so stuck on just this one result. And if they don't reach it, then you're dealing with that person saying, well, I suck. I can't do this. Then they stop showing up to the program. Then they stop consuming. Then they stop asking for help. Some people start blaming the coach. They blame the program. They do all these things. So easy to solve. Have them check their progress with some sort of accountability measure often. Combined with that, you could also incorporate a feedback system. So consistently collecting feedback from the clients on your program. So one of the things that is so important with a group coaching program, especially if this is like your flagship and you're going to have it for years, what helps retain your clients, but also have repeat clients renewing and, and the ability to resell them? is that you are constantly innovating inside of your existing program. But you need to know what to innovate. So a lot of people are missing that. They're creating their group coaching program, and it it is what it is, and they never really make it better. They never really innovate in a way that's going to better serve the client. They're just like, here it is. It's easy. I don't have to do anything else. I make all this this money because people just pump through my group coaching program. But then you've got sort of like this revolving door and then you don't have people who are renewing and you've got to go out and find like all these brand new leads and all these brand new people. And you literally feel like you're starting over all all the time. So have some sort of feedback collection system in place. Also like an exit conversation if people aren't renewing. So you can constantly be innovating inside that program. The program is evolving over time. You're improving it over time. And by the time someone gets to the end of your program, because the other objection you'll hear is, why should I do your program again? I already have all the information. I don't need it twice. I'm just going to go off on my own and do all the work now. 
people will stay if they know that your program has been upgraded three, four, or five notches during the time they were actually in your program. So those are three, I could keep going, but those are three really important ones that are fairly easy. If you don't have that in place, those are pretty easy to put in place immediately. And what do you use for accountability feedback? You said it's important for them to see it. Is it like a, you know, is it, is it a system that you use? Is it, how, how do you keep track of something like that? I am really old school. And I love spreadsheets. Uh-huh. So I love spread. We use um, Google Docs. We use Google Sheets. So it is not fancy. It's not pretty. Uh, it serves its purpose. And ours is also public. So that is something else that typically, and you, sometimes you have to do a little bit of mindset work with your clients, but everybody in the program can see everyone else's check-ins. What was my challenge this week? What was my key learning this week? What do I need support with this week? What was my celebration this week? So, you know, everybody's program is a little different. So what do you want them tracking? What do you want them seeing? And it's in a public spreadsheet and they know every Friday they go in and we remind them and they fill out our form, but they can see what everyone else is saying. Um, As a client, I'm in programs where we do that. And I find it highly motivating because I'm looking at it from the point of, wow, if she can do that, I can do that too. And I also oftentimes find that clients are learning so much when they're seeing another member share what their key learning was for the week. Um, Also, as entrepreneurs, sometimes we feel like we're on an island by ourselves and no one else is going through what we're going through. And then you see like 15 other people in the program are going through the same thing this week that I am like, hallelujah, it's not just me. So it's in a spreadsheet, in a shared Google sheet. They go in every Friday and they just like fill in, fill in their responses. Yeah, no, I love, I love that they can see that. I, I collect feedback. I have a, I have a process for this, but they're not, they're not able to see everybody else's stuff and they're not. So I, I love, I love that you, that you have that. And, um, and I think it's an interesting thing to know that if you're on the client side and that's happening and you're looking at everybody else's wins and you're looking at what everybody's key learnings are and you're seeing that 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 recognize when you feel intimidated by it and recognize mm-hmm. when you feel empowered by it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and your goal would be, you know, and that's kind of how you can start to test yourself, whether you have one of those problems we were issues we were talking about earlier about people who, you know, had work to do before they could be successful and the people who were ready to go is if you're leaning into the intimidated part, you know, that's some work that you need to, that's some cleaning out that you need to do, or it's going to energetically and, you know, uh, psychologically hold you back. Yeah. Yeah. Something else I'll add to, you know, two things. So like number one, not everybody. So we don't teach our clients, like they've got to follow our system the way we do it, right? Like not everybody, not all my clients function like I function. Um, Some of them like that stuff like that does not work well for them. They can't manage it really well, or it's just not the nature of their program. So number one, you do have to figure out like what's going to work really well for you in terms of having your clients, making sure like they see what their progress is and you know what it is as well. Here's the other thing that's really important for that. And this is something that I recognized when I was running someone else's year-long programs. And that is the retention of your clients while they are in the container of your program, whether it's three months, six months, nine months, 12 months. The easiest to retain is shorter, right? Because we're all human and our 
our ability to be able to kind of like stay focused, kind of sprint on something, it's about 90 days. So if you have 90 day programs, you don't really start, you don't really see this like massive drop off of people all of a sudden not showing up to your calls or not doing the work. The minute the program becomes longer than 90 days. So if you have a six month program, nine or 12, and I ran the, I ran 12 month programs and we had two to 300 people in every program. I would watch this like mass exodus happen Mm -hmm. at 90 days. And you have to figure that out because that's not okay, right? Like that's not okay for a lot of, a lot of reasons. Number one, all these people joined your program and now they're not actually going to be able to get the results that you're promising on your sales page, which means from a business perspective, you don't have as high as a success rate. You don't have as many testimonials and really amazing case studies on the business side, which is really important for marketing and sales. And then on the client side, you've got either disgruntled clients or you've got clients who had every good intention. And what I found out, because I would get on the phone with people and say like, hey, I haven't seen you in three weeks on a call or you didn't submit your modules. And this is when we had a certification program, they were required. Nine times out of 10, I would hear something was going on in their personal life. It was either a relationship issue, a marriage issue, a child issue, an ill parent issue. It was almost every single time it was one of those four. And all they needed was somebody to reach out to them and have a conversation with them Mm -hmm. just to show that you cared. So some of these measures are really important. The longer your program is, because it is human nature, you will start to see a drop off at 90 days. You see it again at six months. It's every 90 days you see it. Now, what happens to a lot of coaches is we take it personally. Mm-hmm. So then we think they're not getting results, my fault. Um, they don't like me, my fault. Um, they're mad at me, my fault. Like we run through all these things and we make it all about ourselves. And when you do that as the coach, what you end up doing is you end up not putting these systems in place. You end up pulling back. And you just sort of like let it all go and think that, okay, next time with my next group, it's going to be better. But if you don't change the patterns, if you don't change that way of thinking, the same thing just happens all over again. And then you don't ever really get this this program and your body of work and this like community that you crave, that you long for, that you know you're meant to create it. It kind of like never happens. And then you just keep seeing the same thing happen over and over and over again in every group coaching program you have. That I hope every coach that's listening goes back and rewinds that and listens to all of that because it, it is so true and it is so important and and recognizing and I, I do that like I personally will reach out to people if they disappeared, not looking to pressure you, just want to check in and see how everything is going. Do you need any support from us? Is there something that we can do? I just want to check and make sure that everything is okay. And yeah. normally you get a you get a message back and someone's telling you that yeah, like you said, it's a personal issue there. Yeah. Or there's just been so much going on. Kids are back to school. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's always something. And just remember reminding them that that one, this is something they chose. Mm-hmm. That this was this was a goal that they set for themselves, and they invested in themselves. And and letting them know that because there is that feeling that some people get where it's like I've been away for so long. Will it be weird if I come back? Will yeah. I? And it's like it's never weird. Yeah. Come and back. also the other thing I hear too, and I bet you see this as well. If people haven't, um, and again, I really see this in the business world because people are like, well, I feel embarrassed to come to a call 
because I'm either not implementing or I'm not getting the results. Yep. And people shrink back, but it's like the shrinking back. And we know as the coach, that's like not the answer. That's the pattern. We want you to lean in. We want you to show up. We want you to come to the call because it's safe and it's okay. And you want to lean into the, the community and you want to lean into the coach and all the support you can get. But the story that's running in their mind is I'm humiliated. I'm embarrassed. I'm not stacking up. So I'm just not going to show up, which now means they're on an island all over again and they have no support and they're isolating themselves. It's the pattern that got you where you are and you want to get to someplace new. And that is exactly the pattern you have to break is the one where when I feel inadequate in some way, I take myself out of the process and I take a, I take a breather for however long. Well, the breather is really just you readjusting to your comfort zone again. Mm -hmm. And that's not where you want to be. That's not where change happens. That's not why you made this investment. That's not why you took this step. So like, that's the pep talk you got to give yourself and recognize that, you know, make, make some baseline commitment of even in the worst times, I make it to at least one of the calls per month Mm -hmm. that I never go more than three weeks without tapping into a call Mm -hmm. and no listening on your walk in the morning to a recorded piece of content is not the same thing as showing up and showing your face and sharing something that you've got going on. This is so good. So what you just said, everybody listening, like write this down too. everything you just said, that is something that can be shared in the onboarding process, Mm. right? It's letting people know this is how resistance might show up for you. These are the patterns that might show up and the way they show up. Look, we've all run programs enough and have coached people long enough to know, you know what the common patterns are. We know what the most common stories are. There's not that many. We see the tendencies of clients to pull back. So in your onboarding process, you can be like, literally that could be a whole segment in your onboarding process where you teach clients so that when they go through that, you've already equipped them with what it means. And you've given them like, you just, I mean, people could just literally just go right on everything you said and go incorporate that into their onboarding process. And then it becomes, it's actually a little bit easier for you as the coach to then come in and have that conversation with them because you prefaced it in the onboarding. Cause I think a lot of coaches just depends on, you know, their own, like how much work they've done. Sometimes they feel awkward. We feel awkward reaching out to the client, especially if you're making it about you. Yeah. But if you've prefaced all this stuff in the onboarding process, then you're not managing someone's emotions. It's more about like managing the agreements that you set up, right? Like you know, these are the three things that we said it could be. And it's just an easier, it's just, it makes it so much easier for you to have that conversation. I love that you just shared that. I I love this whole conversation. This was, this is really, this is great stuff. I hope that everybody listening is is taking notes and because this is the stuff that gets missed a lot of times with what, what everybody gets it's, it's Facebook ads and how am I bringing in more leads and how am I doing this? But, but really looking inside and I've been a part of programs that were run great. And I've been a part of programs that started out great and then started to fall apart. And I, you know, and as you grow reassessing this process and looking inward over and over and over again, am I, is this program growing with my people? Is this program growing with me? Are there ways that we can make it better? The better you make it without necessarily falling into 
people pleasing and trying to do everything that everybody asks, mm-hmm. but being able to look at it and say, is this, are, are these changes or are there things that can be done that are for the greater good of this, of everybody yeah. involved? Yeah. Yeah. Love that. But this is fabulous. So Megan, thank you so much for being here. This was an amazing conversation. I, I'm grateful to you for being here. And I know that everybody is going to want to learn more about you, find out more info about you, follow you on wherever you're, you are. So where can they stay in touch with you? Yeah. Awesome. This was a fabulous conversation. We could keep talking about this like forever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So the two best places I have a podcast, it's called built to last. So that's where you can get like tons of great, like free business training and conversations from me over there. And you can check out my website at meganjohnsonhuber.com. Beautiful. And we'll link all that up in the show notes. So it's super easy for you. I thank you, Megan, for being here. This was so fun. This was such a great conversation. And I thank you listener for being here all the way at the end with us. Thank you so much for being a part of this conversation, for listening intently and for supporting the show. We appreciate you. And remember, you are only limited by the limitations that you accept. When you stop accepting those limitations, that's when you become limitless. So go out there and be limitless people. I will see you next time. If you loved this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you want to stay in touch with us, we would love to have you as a part of our Facebook community, Practical Manifestors. It's a community for process-driven women looking for clear and actionable steps to embodying a life of wealth and alignment. Join us at Practical Manifestors in Facebook or go to www.innerceogroup.com.